You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. We're continuing our fall um, sermon or message series called The Easy Burden. And um, this morning I'm going to talk about the mindset of Jesus. And so we take this out of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 about come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So these verses have inspired our series. And we've been learning a number of things. I want to do a little bit of a review if you haven't gotten all of these. Um, Some of the things we're learning are he has invited us all to come unto him if we're weary and he will refresh us. It's an invitation. We also learned that our yoke is easy because we're God's children. We're accepted. We don't achieve God's love and acceptance. We receive God's love by faith. And when you say by faith, it means it's there, but if you don't believe that he loves you, then it's difficult to uh completely experience that. So you really do actually receive the love of God by faith. And there's emotions attached to it that are good as well. But we're beloved children of a gracious heavenly father. Another thing is that we can confidently learn from, Jesus said, come and learn from me. We can learn from him because Jesus is kind. He's gentle. He's humble in heart. He will always treat us well and we can trust him. Now, how many of you hear all of this going against sort of the ideas of who God is? Um, I read um, a testimony of a friend of mine, and I'm saying this in the context of God getting bad press and in the context of how we can... Um, bless God or make God happy or, or touch God's heart. And in the story, every Christmas, these family of about eight kids would um, give their dad gag presents. And they would be funny poems or just little witty things. And they would make fun of their dad. And they would just give him a hard time all in, in good humor. And in the middle of that ch- uh, children, in the children group, in the middle of it, one of the daughters started to read this poem. Then she put the poem down and she said, Dad, I don't want to read this poem. I want to tell you how generous you are and how you've always had time for me. And then another child said, Dad, you're the most remarkable person I know. You even make difficult things joyful by the way you look at them. And suddenly all of their children were saying these positive, true things about their dad. And my friend was the youngest of the group, and he went over Christmas morning. He went over behind the Christmas tree and hid behind the presents and started crying because it touched him so much to see his father honored 
and respected and appreciated. And that was the morning he realized how we can do the same thing for our Heavenly Father. A preacher friend of mine, well, I didn't know him, but I knew of him. He used to say, God appreciates being appreciated. And see, it's, it's not something that stays always on our minds that we can either bless God's heart or we can wound God's heart. Do you ever think about that, that we can do either, either of those things? And I was thinking about that um, because Jesus really understood how his father loved people and related to them. And so that, that really just really reminded me of realizing that what we say, what we do, how we act has an effect not on how much God loves us, but on how it makes him feel. Have you ever thought about that? How does God feel about this? Has that ever, you know, when I was reminded too when David talked about worshiping Jesus. We're just going to come worship Jesus because it's, it's meaningful to him. So, when we read these verses, they reveal that as pre- apprentices of Jesus, we can live in a fruitful but close, intimate relationship with him. And we can learn from him. And one of the things that really struck me about these verses and how this actually happens is that Jesus had a specific and focused mindset. He had a way of thinking about things that predominated, I think, everything he said, everything he did. Um, It affected how he viewed the world. Now, if we can adopt that same mindset, I believe it will radically enrich our lives and it will um, enhance or enable us to access that ease, that rest, and the productivity that Jesus promised. Being yoked to Jesus means we begin to share his values and learning from him, we should embrace the same mindset he had. So what was this mindset Jesus demonstrated so well that I want to talk about this morning? I've um, got a little downgrade on my cut this morning. It's not QT. It's Waffle House. And... um, don't go to the Waffle House, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm joking. Quick in and out, low carb, it works sometimes. What was his mindset? Gratitude. That was the, let me exaggerate. The predominant mindset Jesus had was of being thankful. Of being thankful. Actually, he was terminally Thankful, And I'm going to explain that in a minute, why I could say he was terminally thankful. Jesus was so thankful that he marveled when people weren't thankful and commended those who were. Now, one of the things I don't want to do this morning is I don't want anybody to feel beat up if, if you're not grateful, okay? I want to encourage. Now, if you have been here in this church as long as I have, you would know this is a theme that continually comes up in the things I speak and preach about, Thanksgiving. 
Why? Because I need it. It's not human nature to be grateful. It isn't. And it's something we have to be intentional about. But we need to also recognize that being thankful is um, not transactional. It's transformational. What's the difference? Well, it's not a transaction like if I give Jesus so many thanks, he's going to do so many blessings for me. No, that's not it. It's transformational. It comes from beginning to see God accurately and beginning to respond to Jesus and uh, and to our Father um, in accordance with who he really is and what he really does. It's seeing God accurately. It's a byproduct of actually seeing God accurately. It's not a trick. It's not a quick fix. It's not a great thing to do, although it is a great thing to do, but it's transformational. And so you need to recognize when you're not thankful, when you're not grateful, there's something that you're seeing inaccurately. Can everybody hear that this morning? Because that should encourage us. Because when you see him as he is, something springs out of your heart. And when something doesn't spring out of your heart, you can remember to be thankful and that will take you back into a place where you see God accurately again. Everybody with me? So we're going to look at Luke 17. How it was that Jesus marveled when people weren't thankful. Uh, here we go, verse 11. Can people, can you see these verses now? You want to read this together? Now, it happened, <laughs> I snuck up on you. Verse 11 begins with the word, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Let's read verse 15 again. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So in verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Question number one. Question number two, but where are the nine? Question number three, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, listen to this, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you, that word well could actually be translated whole. And healed and whole are two entirely different words in these verses. So, there's some things Jesus just didn't understand. I want that to sit there a second. What do you mean? Well, 
He couldn't understand why people weren't thankful. Now, here's the way that strikes me. His accurate understanding of God the Father produced something in Jesus where not being thankful was alien. It was strange to him when people weren't thankful, particularly when something like this happened to him. And so he asked these questions, three questions, three pointed questions. Were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And so I was looking at this. One out of 10 people were thankful. One out of 10. I would like for Queen City Church to maybe reach the 30 percentile. Let's, let's, okay, let's go for three out of 10. Everybody with me? How many want to be in the 30% club? All right, that's about 80% of you. That's good. 80% of 30% is 24%. We got to do better. I know that makes no sense, but uh, if, if you lived in here, you would get that. It makes plenty of sense. Now, I've wondered about this. The only one that was thankful was um, someone alienated from the Jewish community beyond just being a leper. And it made me wonder if the nine had a sense of entitlement. Think about that. If the nine, if the sort of, okay, all of them were sick, but then there was the in crowd sick and the out crowd sick. And I wondered if the fact that the one Samaritan was the only one that returned to give thanks because he did not have a sense of God owes me this, I'm a Jew, I'm entitled. Now, one of the things that struck me, I've told Donna this more than she cares to continue to hear, but if you will look at commercials on television after covid Here's a one word that you will hear. And, and this, I'm really cursing you this morning because you're not going to be able to get away from this. The word you hear in commercial after commercial after commercial after commercial is deserve. You deserve a break today. You deserve this underarm deodorant. You deserve... And it just, and, and once you, you're going to hear this over and over, you're going to think, I wish you never told me that. But what they're doing is commercial television is um, using your sense of entitlement to buy their products because you deserve it. You deserve it. Now, I'm going to say this. Entitlement erodes appreciation it erodes thankfulness, but it erodes something else. It erodes faith. Because when you think you're entitled to something, you don't believe God for it in the sense that you don't really deserve it. Can you hear that this morning? It's a huge problem, entitlement. Entitlement makes people nasty. It really does. They will push you out of line. Anyway, I could go into that. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it this way. For grace 
you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, what is it? Gift, 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 gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And all of that goes into that concept of it's a gift, it's the mercy, it's the favor, it's the kindness of God all across the board. It's not something he owes you. It's nothing, not something you deserve because you're really not entitled in a very real sense. But Jesus didn't understand why the nine lepers did not return to give God glory. The one he admired, the one he acknowledged was the one who returned. Now, I've mentioned this, but in the text, the word healed and whole are two different words. In verse 15, it says all 10 were healed. And um, that's uh, the word is a Greek word, I-A-O-M-A-I. Anybody want to give a crack at pronouncing that? E-A-O-M-A-H-I. That's a terrible rendition, I'm sure. But that is different from your faith has made you whole. That word is sozo. That word whole is the Greek word that is used for the expansive um, provision called salvation. And salvation basically means every gift of God, if you study it. And so all of those lepers were healed. But there was one leper who returned to thank Jesus, and it was actually an evidence of him not just being healed, but being made whole. Because wholeness is a whole lot more than physical healing. It's got something profound to do with your heart condition and with the way you see the Lord. So, it's not like we want to be healed or we want to be whole. What do we want to be? Healed and whole. Well, listen, gratitude is the pathway to wholeness. It's a spiritual practice. It's part of our spiritual formation, and it's an essential practice. It's part of how we become whole people. I mentioned this earlier that being grateful or being thankful is not transactional, but it's transformational. It's not sort of doing a business deal with God over how to get what you want from him, but it's about seeing what he's really like and having a transformed view of who he is. But if we adopt the practice of being thankful at its core, it'll transform us over time. It's part of the renewing of the mind that Paul wrote about in Romans 12 too. He said, do not be conformed to this world or this age but be transformed, be changed by the entire renewal of your mind. And so the person with the perfectly renewed mind in one sense could not understand people's lack of gratitude. Now that's not to condemn us. I think it's to awaken in our lives how much better God must be than we have actually seen or concluded. Because when we see him accurately, we would act like Jesus act. We would respond like Jesus responded. Now, Thanksgiving can be a sacrifice. How many of you know that? There can be a sacrifice of Thanksgiving. 
It's not just something that springs spontaneously out of your revelatory sense of the goodness of God. But sometimes those sacrifices of thanksgiving can actually be the most powerful kind. I know in listening to Bill Johnson and through the death of his dad and the death of his wife, he adopted an attitude of being grateful in the midst of confusion and heartache because he knew this um, will be one of the only times this side of eternity that I can have this kind of disaster and actually offer God praise and thanksgiving in the midst of it. Because when I'm dead and I'm gone and I'm in the heavenly realm, there ain't going to be anything to be disturbed about. Everybody's going to be praising the Lord. Nobody's going to be having any problems. And so there is this sacrifice we can give, but that is not just... um to, to sacrifice like that is to humble yourselves and believe into your difficulty that God really does have something down the road that makes life worthwhile even when it's difficult. It's an act of faith. I, I read this from the psalmist. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. Now, a couple things. I really, I really love this about Jesus. Actually, I was watching people dance up front this morning, and I was and I was watching the kids uh, playing rugby. <laughs> Maybe a couple of them were doing laps. I don't know, but I thought about there are people here that might not uh, be used to that. And I, I was thinking about this verse of scripture. The Lord, your, this is Zephaniah 3.17. It's biblical. Dancing is biblical. You, you know why certain denominations don't like dancing? It leads to drinking. No, that's a terrible joke. No, but um, God danced. God danced. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord, your God, in the midst, in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And in those verses, one of those words means excessive joy. And another one means to spin around under a violent emotion. And the Lord says that's what he's done over us because he loves us. So if if dancing... Um, uh, isn't something you're used to. Um, I just want to give you a little, little explanation. Some people, that's how they express their love. Other people express their love by not doing that at all. And, and they're dancing inside. <laughs> so it's a good thing. Okay. Now, but here's the thing I liked about Jesus. He acted a little bit more like his dad than we do. He could be extremely expressive in his thanksgiving, but you have to read into the language to get this. And the reasons he did it are shocking. Luke 10, 21, this actually precedes um, our sort of uh, um, series establishing verses about taking on the yoke of Jesus. 
But just prior to Jesus saying, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, et cetera, et cetera, he says this, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Now, the reason Jesus was thankful was because his audience couldn't understand or get what he was preaching. That would be like me preaching something to you and you all looking at me like, I don't get it. This makes no sense. And me saying, Lord, awesome. Thank you so much for you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, no offense, and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Now, what was Jesus doing? Well, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. What does that mean? He was overjoyed. He rejoiced greatly. What would rejoicing greatly look like? Would it be saying, praise the Lord, double praise the Lord? Uh, praise the Lord, praise No. The Greek indicates that he jumped, he bounced up and down like a rubber ball. But that is so bizarre. Do you know why? Because his father didn't reveal what he was saying to people. Now, if I'm saying things to people I want them to get and they don't get it, I'm going, what's the problem? But when Jesus did, he thought, oh, this is awesome. Thank you, Lord. I'm so glad this isn't working. <laughs> this, is, this is so good that no one's responding. This, this makes you happy. It must make you happy. Whatever makes you happy, makes you happy. But no, Jesus... Rejoice. We're going to find out Jesus was thankful over things that don't even register with us. But he was thankful when God hid the things he himself was proclaiming. Now, Jesus also thanked, was thankful in the most dire of circumstances. Now, this is hard to grasp. In Mark 14, 22 and 23, this is the Last Supper. It says in 22, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, what? Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, let me say that again. Then he took the cup and when he had done what? Given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, in essence, I am so thankful that I can shed my blood for you. That's almost impossible to explain to you how profound that was, that Jesus was thankful for the broken bread, his body, Jesus was thankful to his father for the shedding of his own blood. Now, I don't even know how much more to say about that, but that's profound. This was such um, a penetrating, overwhelming part of Jesus' life to be grateful. We could also say that um, Thanksgiving could possibly be a key to multiplication, to blessing, maybe even the miraculous 
In Matthew 15, when Jesus fed the 5,000, um, he told his disciples to get some bread. They came back with several, you know, biscuits and sardines, basically small loaves and fishes. And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. So Jesus commanded everyone to sit down. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish and he gave thanks. So he took the little that he had and what did he do with the little he had? Did he ask for more? No. No. You know what he actually did? He thanked God for it and made it smaller. He broke it. But then he did this. He gave it away. Now, he didn't even ask for more. He took what he had. See, what we don't like is little. We like a lot. Everybody with me? We like a lot. We don't like a little. Jesus liked a little because he was living for the glory of his, of his dad. So he takes it. He thanks God for the little. Now, Blake, let me ask you to do something. Stand up and go back in that bucket. I want you to go pull something out of that bucket back there. I want to make a point here that most people will affirm my absolute insanity. Now, in that bucket, there should be an envelope. Now, you don't need to bring it. Is there an envelope in there with 35 cents in it? Yeah, open that up and tell me what's in there. It's 35 cents. Okay, Robin, what's your point? Well, I like to go to the QT. It's near the house. And whenever I go to the QT... And I see change on the ground. I walk by it and get in my car and go. And then one day the Lord said to me, why do you walk by that money on the ground? And I'm thinking, well, it's just a penny or it's a nickel. And the Lord said, well, why don't you pick it up? And why don't you thank me for it? And why don't you give it away? Why don't you respect the little? Why don't you respect the small? And now the strangest thing happened. A friend of mine sent me a dream, and he said in the dream, the Lord told him to tell me, um, whenever I found change, you're not going to believe this. Whenever you find change, you should pick it up and bless it and command it to multiply. How many of us may have been walking by massive blessings for weeks because we couldn't see the much in the little? We couldn't get that and offer it. And see, there's, you know, you can teach all things about giving and blah, 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 and make people feel bad and twist their arm, give them vision, do all these different things. But there really is something in giving what you've got. When Jesus went to the temple, he looked at the widow's mite which was less than a penny. 
And in his estimation, what she gave was more than anything else anybody had ever given because he can recognize the heart and the little. But there's something humiliating about scrounging around in the QT parking lot and picking up pennies and nickels. But if God says that's a good idea, well, I have actually seen amazing offerings come into our church after I've done that. And I've been doing it for about two years. I have. Let me ask you, how many of you would do that? Just these young friends. Okay, a couple of you. I wouldn't do it if I were you. There's probably nothing to it. But Thanksgiving is a key to increase in our lives. Blake, you did a great job, son. I'm, yeah. Went back there. And... Now, I know what I just told you is foolish. It is. But what if God's different than us? What if he sees things differently than we do? What if, what if you're the penny in the parking lot? What if you're the nickel uh, in the parking lot? I'll tell you, we all are, and here's why. Have you ever been to the Jewish cemetery in New York City? It goes for miles. There are miles and miles and miles of dead people. Well, what's the point? I am one person among billions. I am a penny in a parking lot that somebody picked up and blessed. Maybe you're a penny in a, maybe you feel like that. Guess what? Offer yourselves to God. What do you have to lose? Give yourself to God. What do you have to lose? Maybe a lot, but you gain. So, I was thinking about one of Jesus' primary followers named Paul the Apostle. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18, he made three simple life-changing statements. Verse 16, rejoice always. Say that with me. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Say that with me. In everything, give thanks. How many of us always rejoice? I don't. How many of us always pray? How many of us give thanks in everything? But he continues, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that's one of two times in the New Testament that phrase, will of God, is used. Think of being in his will as being a beneficiary of the most valuable last will and testament in the world. Think this way. What's the will of God for my life today? To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to always give thanks. And um, one last thing from the Old Testament. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then something practical. Entered into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with 
praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So that's the practical aspect of accessing, accessing the presence of God. So I have got five conclusions. That's almost like not having a conclusion, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody can conclude all this. Jesus thanked God when he didn't have enough, didn't even ask for more, but instead broke it into smaller pieces, thanked God and gave it away. That was number one. Number two, Jesus thanked God when people didn't understand him. Number three, Jesus thanked God as he offered up himself for the sins of the world. He blessed and thanked God for the bread, the breaking of his body, for the cup, the pouring out of his own blood. And then we can say Paul taught that we should always in every situation be thankful because that's God's will for our lives and that's what it is to live by faith. These are all spiritual practices so important for spiritual formation. And it's so contrary to human nature. Amen. Amen. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you um, want to thank the Lord for something? Why don't you stand up? Let's everybody identify one thing or one situation, and it may be positive or it may be negative. I want you to get that into your mind. Okay, you got that yet? Everybody got something? Okay. In closing the meeting today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go find somebody that you can do this with and tell them, what you want to thank God for. And you may be dismissed. Everybody good with that? And we'll do our ministry teams next week. I think this is more important. Everybody good? Okay. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I know I need this. Thank you for it. Lord, so many people I know have challenges, have needs, have situations. But we want to tap into you, Lord. We want to live this life to the fullest. So bless us this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. Amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.